0: we officially opened for business in the fall of 2001, really we were on the very leading edge of the motion graphics revolution. You know, 15 years ago, doing things on the desktop that were high-end visual effects and animation was relatively new and unheard of, and a lot of clients really didn't have any sort of trust or faith that it could be done. Of course, today, it's very commonplace. Obviously, everybody uses desktop machines to achieve the same types of results that 15, 20 years ago could only be achieved uh, in these very uh, expensive suites at these high-end visual effects studios. So, what Danny and I really did was become these sort of founding fathers of the motion graphics revolution. Years before it, was, it even had a name to it, we were doing things in After Effects and Final Cut that were really changing the minds of agency and broadcast producers uh, around
1: New York and around the country. Yeah, I mean we really took what we knew from the higher-end machines at RGA. You know, I was a flame in and Inferno artist. and. Of course, Jeremy was our director, and he was uh, dabbling a lot at RGA in After Effects, and he showed me the foundation of how to get things done within the program, and then I took my knowledge and kind of parlayed that into how to use it uh, a little bit different than uh, a designer would, for example. So, that's when, you know, I guess the, the blending of the roles started to happen. I mean, now, you know, you have designers that also animate, and then they also do a little visual effects. You know, back then, we did that out necessity because we didn't have employees, we had to do everything. Take we out wore, the garbage, answer yeah. the phones, clean the toilets, whatever it takes. So, that's right. So, we wore uh, many hats. So, you know, we did a ton of cold calling, we did mm-hmm. uh, email blasts, we did showcases. So, we would go to agencies, show them the reel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to cut the reel, of course, based on whatever work we were looking for. So, if it was titles or commercials, it had to be very specific. So, we had a bunch of different reels. Yeah, and these are physical tapes. I mean, this
0: is not uh, websites or links to, to QuickTimes. These were physical tapes. We had to have tapes in multiple formats, right? We had to have VHS or half-inch. We had to have three-quarter-inch. We had to have a beta, digi-beta. And we didn't even own all these decks. We had to rent them or find a facility that we could go and make dubs because everything was sent through this physical tape. So there were just dubs by the dozens and each one of those we hand cut labels. We had to put them in envelopes. We sent messengers and we just delivered them by ourselves. It was very, very old school by today's standards. Uh, I wish we had more of a website
1: environment back then. It would have made life a lot easier. We were extremely entrepreneurial and, and hungry at the same time, which I think is a very good combination. <laughs> after that, after we kind of sent out the reels and, and, and did a lot of the grunt uh, the work, so to speak, just to kind of lay the foundation and throw seeds throughout the city, and hopefully, you know, they would start to sprout into uh, work. You know, we also created a dream list of clients that we uh, basically just spend the day brainstorming what clients we want to work with. Marvel was at the top of the list. We had uh, HBO, Playboy, ESPN, and basically that's when there was really more of a, uh, I guess, uh, search and destroy. Uh, yeah, machine. I think so. They, you know, it was very targeted and we really
0: brainstormed a list of brands, networks, agencies that A, we just loved and B, we just felt uh, there was a tremendous opportunity for us to add value to. So we really felt passionate and had a strong conviction that once introduced, uh, these brands and these entities would really, you know, hopefully see what we could bring for them. So very, very first project we ever got, do you
1: remember? Uh, that was Sony Karashi. Mm-hmm. It was a music video, a promo for Sony Music, a theme of boxing. So what we had to do was uh, they shot the, the commercial, gave us the footage, and they had round card girls, you know, walking around the ring, round two, round three, and so yeah, on, and on. type kind of fly off the cards right. in 3D and it come 3D back. 3D type, you figured out a way how to do that in Illustrator, Yeah, your frame video by video frame. Mats and things like that. So again, using those creative juices to also uh, be creative in the technology that we had. Mm-hmm. So figuring out things as you went along, mm-hmm. um, and again, because it was all on a desktop, so things weren't really established. And one of the things that I loved though uh, being able to work on the desktop was that I had to do a lot of the number removal on the round card. So I removed the second, third, fourth round type and then put the new type on top. But I was able to do that on the laptop. So I, I was able to work on you know, the train going home and work on it at home and then come back because we were wearing so many hats. We didn't have a lot of time in the day to do much of the real work. And then slowly but surely, as we started getting more work and as we were meeting more potential clients, we started getting busier, and, and I think one of the things that helped us tremendously after we got on a roll with HBO and ESPN and, and, and those uh, clients was word of mouth. It mm-hmm. spread very quickly on how fast we were and the great work that we were cranking out. Showtime told us because they wanted to know who was we doing all the HBO work. It was uh, very interesting uh, to see that you know people, even though they didn't work together, everybody Talk a lot with, uh, amongst themselves. So our first big break though was HBO. HBO,
0: uh, in the spring of 2002, was looking for new ideas for I believe it was the fourth season of The Sopranos. Something like that, yeah. Uh, and we got on a short list uh, by some miracle uh, to propose some ideas and some treatments for what a full campaign, a so-called quarterly campaign for their marketing division, uh, which was based all around the, the Sopranos might be so Danny and I put together a ton of ideas and scripts. We actually had to write scripts for this as well as design and animate what the, uh, the spots would look like. We presented this in front of a, uh, a pretty intimidating uh, group of HBO creatives and executives. Uh, again, we're fish fish out of water uh, completely unfamiliar with this type of uh, environment but we nailed it, and they saw the passion, they saw the excitement and enthusiasm we both had uh, for HBO, for the show Sopranos, and for the work we were presenting. We really put our, our heart and soul uh, into these ideas and into these designs, and it was shortly after we left that uh, presentation that they called us and said that they were giving us the, uh, the campaign, which was truly you know, life-changing for us, because again, we'd only done the Sony Spot, which was, I think it was a week or two weeks long. It was very little, if any, money. Uh, whereas HBO was about three months of work. I think we ended up delivering 200 versions of the spot. You know, all the versions were different by, you know, a logo at the end or a tune in information at the end. It was three months of guaranteed work, but we saw uh, that this perception business uh, could work and will work. And people really started gravitating towards. Uh, the two of our personalities and the two of our uh, energies and passions for what we did. So we did the, the Sopranos campaign, it went really, really well. The client was actually very hands-on with us, they were in our studio, or our corner of a studio, uh, with us for a good part of the production process. So we got a, a really good relationship with them, which then eventually evolved into future quarterly campaigns. and. I have to say, I believe that continued for about eight or nine years, yeah. uh, starting long. with The Sopranos. A very long relationship, which we you know we treasured and valued tremendously. Very loyal to us, we're very loyal to them. So that was a an amazing uh, game changer for
1: us. And then right after The Sopranos, Streetball yeah. for for uh, for ESPN, and that yeah. was with uh, a director that's still close to us uh, today. We we'll never forget him. Is John Hawk. And, Hot uh, films. Pop films. He does a lot of 30 for 30 mm-hmm. for ESPN, but back then he was shooting uh, a ton for ESPN and doing, uh, I guess, documentary-style mm-hmm. um, shows, and Streetball was the first one, and he, he gave us an opportunity to do the open for it, mm-hmm. and, and everything inside the show, so the bumpers, the intros, the outros, things like that and uh, lower thirds everything. and we got to shoot all the street ball players and show him some of the designs that we wanted to do for the actual show open. in US. Yes. And
0: We got to do the logo, we got to brand it, you know, which they let them turn into t-shirts and hats and all kinds of merchandise for the show, which is really cool. So we not only got to do this little, you know, small self-contained title sequence, but it was really like branding this new uh, series mm-hmm. and that series had several seasons, which again, I think we did three or four of them after that first year.
1: A great relationship. Yeah, we updated them quite a bit. And then that led to then and a couple of relationships you had to ESPN, the, the producers and creative directors there. And that was a little bit different than HBO because those were more like, hey, we need something done in a week, design something really quick and then do the promo and boom. So those were more weekly, high volume, um, high volume. and again, they loved the work we did, live action shooting and stuff. Like, I think the first one was Dan Yankees anniversary, and we we projected footage on a jersey, and we actually shot it. They just loved the tactile feel to the project, and that was really the springboard into them saying, "You guys gonna, you know, we're gonna keep you busy." And that's when we started to really think, "Okay, we can't wear all these hats anymore." Yeah. So, we have to start thinking about bringing people on. Yeah, help. so, but the
0: first two years of Perception were really built on the foundation of HBO and ESPN and uh, a constant stream of work, whether it was these quarterly campaigns for HBO or these weekly, bi weekly uh, promos for uh, ESPN Classic, which was great. And then everything else that started to trickle in uh, one by one, we were checking off our, our dream list of clients. Again, you know, while we were doing the work, animating it, visual effects, producing. We still had to do sales because one of the cardinal rules of, of business development is you, you got to continue to do it even while you're, you've got work going on. You don't have to worry about what happens after that work is done. Uh, need, we need to have something else lined up. So we were just working around the clock and constantly making the cold calls, constantly sending out the tapes and the reels.
1: Yeah, I think the, the golden rules that we still live by is you know marketing and innovation. and Everybody saw that we were innovating because we were doing this excellent work on the desktop. But again, as Jeremy said, you know, we have to constantly market ourselves and, and to do that while you're working on the actual projects and trying to do the cold calls and everything else was getting, we had about 12 to 15 hour days yeah. for a long stretch of time. The early years. Yeah.